Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day again. I hope you got your flowers and all your treats out there. Uh, we're delighted to celebrate mothers. Um, I just got to celebrate with my mother. I was up in South Carolina. My mother's 84. And uh, I'm blessed that she's still with me and in good health. And so that, that's just, I go up there as often as I can to enjoy them and spend quality time with them. Uh, that means the world to me. Um, you know, I was thinking about also the term mom. If, if the culture in the world had their way today, we would not have that term. And that term would be swiped away. Motherhood would be swiped away. I'm not so sure womanhood wouldn't be swiped out. So, but what we have is we have a wonderful God that is a creator. And he is a creator of the universe. And he designed mothers. And there's nothing that can take the place of a mom. You know, there's dads out there. They can do the task. They can do the laundry. They can even cook a better meal sometimes. They could do lots of things. But they'll never take the place of a mother. A mother is a God-given, ordained gift from God. And that's something that he puts in us supernaturally. Now, we have all kinds of moms here today. We talk about mama love because mama love is given by moms. It's the only kind of love. You know, oftentimes I think uh, I'm reminded on the battlefield. And when you've got guys, oftentimes I watch those movies with my husband, those war movies, remembering history, things that have happened. But oftentimes you'll see when the, when the guys are dying, the young guys in their, you know, 20s, early 20s, what do they usually call out to? Mama. Mama. That's where they were born from. And they're remembering and honoring mama. And they love their moms. Or they're saying, mama, I want you to remember me. I love you. And so mamas are important. You have all kinds of moms here today. You have biological moms. We have moms that have adopted children. We have moms that are foster children. They have foster kids. We have stepmoms, single parent moms. You know, there's all kinds of moms. But I want to remind you. That there's always, you may say, well, you know, I don't fit today because I didn't have a biological child. And the Lord has made you a mother anyway. I believe every woman is some type of mom. It's just instinctively in her. And what moms have been in my life that didn't even have their own children. But as I was a young Christian girl and I needed, I moved away from my mother. I needed a mom. They were there in my life. They prayed for me. They encouraged me. They blessed me. And so I want you to know if you're here, you're still a mom. You just might need to look for what bundle the Lord has given you to help out with and to bless with. I want to tell you a little story. Um, we're going to look here in Isaiah first. And chapter 40, we're going to be starting at verse 11. I love this chapter. It was, a, it was a chapter I went to often when I was younger because I often felt driven. I often felt like life was driving me. I don't know if you can relate to that. But in this culture, I bet you can't. But I felt like I was just being horsewhipped or driven like a cattle, like, shoo, 
you know, go, go, go. Get your three little kids and go, go, go. Life was just crazy. We were in ministry way too young with no mentors. We had our children in school in the next town. We had all kinds of life going on and busy, and it never seemed like I could keep up. And I always felt like I was failing. I felt like I was losing my temper. I was getting angry. I was, um, you know, how do you, how do you end up fighting with a child? You know, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes children can test your last nerve. And there has been times where I thought that sweet little baby that came out that I kissed and oohed and awed, and now she's sitting there screaming at me, refusing to do anything. So it was a lesson and a journey of I came up very quickly realizing I don't have what it takes. I, I'm looking around at other people and I'm thinking, how are they? Do I don't have what it takes. And I realized that this was going to be a life verse for me. Because it did something supernatural for me. So read with me. Verse 1 of chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And in verse 11, he says this. And he's showing us who he is. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. And he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This verse was life to me because I started realizing, and moms, if you're going to have mama love, you got to have a shepherd. And if you don't know your shepherd's love, you can't give proper love to your children. You have to know what love is first. And... You can't give what you don't have. If you don't have and have ownership, I'm not just talking about some mental, but if you don't have ownership of what you mean to Jesus and what he is as a shepherd to you, you will not be able to translate that to your children. And when your children are born and they first look to you in those beginning years, I mean, Peggy, she's a counselor in our church over here, Peggy Jackson. By the way, if you ever need any help, I highly recommend her. She's a beautiful woman of God. But, you know, when children first look at you when they're first born, they see you as the only God figure they know. You represent God to them. And so when you're being a bad example as a mom, you're not representing God correctly. And your children, there are a lot of people over the years in the past 40 years that I have ministered to that have real issues and pain in their heart because they have issues with their parents that have not been resolved. And they project that onto God. Well, if my mom was like that, God must be like that. If my dad was like that, God must be like that. And so they tend to shy away from God. Oftentimes, we can be a barrier to the very love that a child needs to receive from God. So when I looked at these verses, he tends his flock like a shepherd. Well, if you've ever seen a shepherd out in the fields, we get to go to Scotland every once in a while. We're going to go to work on a book. 
Uh, but when you drive around in Scotland, these windy roads, you got to stop all the time because there's sheep just laying out on the road. They think they own the whole place. They're everywhere, everywhere you walk. And so they're beautiful to look at. I'll stop and get out and take a picture. But the minute you see a, a shepherd come among the flock, all of those sheep will gather and they will go towards that shepherd. Why? Because as we look at the shepherd, the sheep know that he gathers his, his sheep in his arms. And that's something that means he brings them close to his heart. He wants them near him. And he loves each one of them. And he carries them. He gently leads those that are with young. When you're young and you've got little ones, I often felt like I was driven. You may be here today and feel like that, like God's mad at me. God's upset with me. I haven't done enough. I didn't do it right. I could have said more. I could have been a better example. But when you do that, you're leaving out a major, major understanding of the shepherd's heart. It's his job. The children, just like we dedicated this morning, we said it's, it's, it's their stewardship, but God owns your child. And God wants as much for your child, way more than you do. But we sometimes can get in the way because we forget. We as mamas have to be shepherded ourselves. We as mamas have to know what it is to be led into those green pastures and to those still waters. Isn't that what the shepherd does? He doesn't scare the sheep or beat the sheep. He leads them because he knows they're thirsty. He takes them to the beautiful waters. If you know anything about sheep, they don't swim. And they're very scared of water running. But he takes them, it says, to the quiet stream where they can lay down in the green pastures and eat grass, drink water, and be with their shepherd. And that's what the shepherd does for us. That's what Jesus does for you, mama. He loves you. He wants to take, the world wants to take your time, your attention, your affection, your love, and it just wants to rob you to where you've got a migraine and you're stressed out of your mind. But if you let the shepherd shepherd you and you come away with him and you learn from him and how he treats you, then you can turn around and look at your little ones and give them the same type of love, the same type of experience, the same listening and caring and tenderness that he gives to his children. So I, I stayed in that mode of reminding myself. There'd be often times we would be like, Go, we had tent revivals and we're out every night for two weeks out of a big tent. And I remember one time in particular, the kids were, were just being ramrodded. You know, I was just taking them back and forth. They're little, they've got school, they've got sports, they've got all of these things. I'm grabbing pizza, I'm throwing them in the bed at 11 or 12 at night, getting them back up, going back, all in the name of being spiritual and religious. And the Lord spoke to me tapped me on the shoulder. He said, look at your children's faces. And parents, that's a good thing to do sometimes. We get so busy dragging our kids to and fro. Look at their faces. Do you see rest and peace 
and joy on their faces. And it, it's, it's our responsibility to help set that tone with mama love in the home. It's our responsibility to help them. And I looked on my kids' faces, and I saw crying and anguish and stress. And I was convicted. And I was like, you know, I'm putting even the church and religious things above my children. My children are my first priority. I've been given them to steward them, to love them, and to raise them up. So it's very difficult in this age and this life to keep a balance in homes. I talk to most families, and barely any of them can even have a family dinner. What does that even look like to some families? To actually sit down and listen to what your kids have to say? To hear their, their uh, you know, we would do highs and lows. What's your high? What's your low? And, and give them that quality time. I mean, we all like to go out to eat with our friends because then we, we feel like we've got a relationship. Well, our children need that too from us. And I remember one time uh, uh, a gal in our church, or now you'll remember her, Doug and Peggy, the Jacksons, Tracy Hoff. <laughs> I love Tracy. That gal was so real. She just said whatever she thought, whatever was going on in her mind. She was so bubbly and so outgoing. And one day Tracy shows up for church and, you know, her hair's all must. Her kids, her three little kids are all, you know, dragging in and screaming. She's got a baby and she, she gets everything settled. She's finally standing there ready to worship. You know, they probably haven't even eaten a good meal. And they're just, she's being faithful to God. She looks down and she just starts laughing. She has on two different shoes. And she must have been humiliated, but Tracy laughed. She was just laughing like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've done this. And so she comes out and there's a group of us that were all around the same age. And she was talking and she just kind of threw her hands up and said, how do you do it? How do you guys do this? How do you, I mean, look at you, look at your hair. Your kids are all together. Look at you. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Uh, you know, and we just kind of looked at her. We, some of us were a little bit ahead of her and we just said, Hey, we've all had days like this. We've all had rough times. It's normal. You're going to be okay. And then we started helping her. And so, you know, I think it's okay to say, I need help. As a young mom, I think that's one of the biggest crimes is they're so wanting to be perfect. I remember when my girls first came home as single moms and they had babies and they were at the house. And I remember them saying, you know, they were so worried that they were going to be a perfect mom that they didn't want me to help in any way. And, and I was like, yeah, I know a lot here. I can help. And, but the Lord just showed me, encourage them. Tell them they're doing a good job. Let them be the mom. You don't need to get involved with this. And I think it's that wisdom of being able to say, I, I want to be here for you, but I'm not trying to control you. I'm not trying to take over. As, as we look in Corinthians, I want you to go with me to chapter 13. This is a very familiar uh, chapter. It's a love chapter. I've been recently reading... Paul, and as I've been reading about him, I, I just have great admiration for him. I'm thinking, I don't even know if I'm a Christian after reading Paul. He was just committed in every way to Jesus fully. And it was just so neat to see, if you're reading in Corinthians, you can look at the chapter before 
And it's going to talk about the gifts and the gifts of the Spirit and what God has imparted to the church. If you read the chapter after 13, you're going to see about unity and love. And that's one of the things that the enemy will try to do in a church. He'll try to bring disunity and, and gossip and, and attack. And I'm glad to say in this church, we've had very little of that. You guys are a beautiful people, and we enjoy getting to serve with you greatly. But he was talking about in between these two things, some churches, and we can tend to do this in our own life, if we can find our identity in our gifts. You know, well, I do this, and I do that, and I do this, I do helps, I do teaching, I do, you know, I have faith, I pray for healing, I have, I do worship, whatever the gifts are, I'm an evangelist, I do outreach, whatever your gifts are, if you find your identity in those gifts, you're missing the boat. This is what Paul is saying. God has given you gifts, but if your gift determines your identity with Christ, you're losing big time. You cannot walk in the power of your gifting alone without love. Love is what makes those gifts beautiful, is what he's trying to say. If you just go about your job doing your work and your gift unto the Lord and you don't have love. And so moms, that's something we want to remember. You may have the gift of motherhood and you may be able to do a lot of things. But are you exemplifying the love that he has? Well, let's look at Corinthians 13 because it will remind us where we stand in that gift of love which comes from the Holy Spirit. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess, well, surely this is going to make me something because this is really big. If I give all I have to the poor and I even give my body over to be beat and persecuted, that's going to get it, right? I mean, if, I, if somebody goes that far, wouldn't you say that that's going to count? And Paul's really admonishing and saying that I may boast but if I do not have love, I have gained nothing. In other words, I'm a big fat zero if I'm not walking in the love of Christ within the giftedness of what he's given. And then he goes on to even help us understand more, moms, of how this love looks. We can say, oh, I love I love my family. I love my children. I'm a woman of love. I'm a Christian woman. And we come to this and we read, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, 
and it keeps whew, no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Now, when I measure up to that, I come up lacking often, and I have in my life as a mother. And those words haunt me because that is the role model that my shepherd provides for me. And as a shepherdess in my own home, I don't stand up to that. How? None of us are perfect. God hasn't expected perfection. I remember when my daughter introduced me, I think a couple years ago, and she said, my mother is not perfect, but she's the perfect mom for me. And that was so precious because only she knows and the rest of the girls how unperfect I was. But just the fact that I was perfect for them, and that's what you need to know today, ladies. You are perfect for your child. God has made you special. Don't compare yourself to other mothers. Oh, wow, well, she does this with her kid, or they do that, or they dress like this, or they get to go on these vacations, or they do... Be the mom that you're meant to be. Bring the love that you're meant to bring to that child, the encouragement, the strength, the grace. They're looking for that. They don't want another mom. They want your love, your attention. I remember one time, one of my, I was asking, I was reading a book about asking your children what you could do to show them, you know, more love. And so I did. And I asked one of mine, and, and I just thought I was going to get this. So, Mom, you do, we know you love us. You're a great mom. And I had one of them look at me and said, you don't spend any time with me. And I said, What? We carpool, we eat together, we're, I'm doing everything with you. And I'm thinking, but what, what she was trying to communicate is that I was hurting everybody kind of like animals. And, you know, she was looking to be an individual. She wanted me to look in her face. She wanted me to spend time with her. She wanted me to laugh with her and, not, and see her individually, not just with the other siblings. That's hard to do when you have several kids. That's very hard to do to give quality time to each one and value each one. And so as, as I began to learn about how to be a mother, um, I, I would like to look at this in a different way. In verse 4, we could put the name in here of Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus doesn't envy. He doesn't boast. He's not proud. Jesus doesn't dishonor you. Jesus isn't self-seeking. What did he do? He came to seek you, that which was lost. Jesus doesn't keep a record of your wrongs, does he? Aren't you glad, moms? He forgives us. He rejoices over us with love. Love does not, Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects so you could say Jesus always protects. He always hopes. He always perseveres with us. And that's the role model, moms, that we could get. You could go back and put your name in there. Kim is patient. Kim is kind. You could ask yourself, is this where I'm at with my family? 
And if not, we don't beat ourselves up. Paul didn't write this so you could, you know, destroy yourself over this. Or I can't measure up, I can't measure up. He said it so that we could go to his spirit as a well, the Holy Spirit. And we could ask the shepherd what we just read in Isaiah 40. That same shepherd wants to give to you what you need. He wants to take you close. And one of the uh, commentaries talks about that the shepherds wore a robe and they would put the sheep, they had a slot in the, in the robe and they would put the sheep in there and carry them along. Do you need to be carried today? Do you feel that you have wounds that need to be healed? Are there things that you're struggling with so that you can't give to your own children? I... I uh, read a book recently about a woman that she had a dad that, you know, they were out at a camp or something, and he just was being flippant, and he said something to her about, you walk like a cow. Well, you know, they may have thought, as moms, sometimes we say things to our kids, and we don't think about the implication that that is. But what happens, they look to you for all affirmation. And this woman grew up with this stigma of feeling like this. She went on to write books, and she went on to be on a stage and teach. And she said every time she entered up on the stage, she felt like people were saying, she walks like a cow. It, it wasn't true. She said, I never walked like a cow. But what happened, that word said to her, you're not of any worth. You don't have it put together enough. You're not worthy. And so we have to be careful and ask, what was said over me? What was said over you that needs to be broken? What did the enemy say to you? Even as you're a mother, right now, some of you are being lied to by the enemy because your kids aren't going in a right direction. You're feeling the weight of the disappointment with God. God's not putting the disappointment on you. When my daughters were all going astray at one time for over seven years, I literally thought I was going to lose my mind. I, I think I almost did. But I kept going back to the shepherd. I kept thinking about what he had for me. I knew I had sown good fruit into their lives. In Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, being love, joy, peace. We did lots of these things with our children. We failed in some ways, but in a lot of ways. We had family time, prayer time. We kept them uh, worshiping the Lord, and, and uh, we laughed together. We had fun when they were younger. But as they became teenagers, I found, as Dobson likes to say, that by the time... Your child's around 13, I think it is. You're pretty much done. And I remember thinking, done? I'm not done. I'm far from done. You have no idea how much I'm not done. And, 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 but he, what he was communicating is all that you've put in them, all the character, all the... You know, my kids could have wrote a book about everything I was going to lecture them about, every thought I had about a value, everything I believed about God, they could write the book and hand it back to me. Here, Mom, save your breath. Boom. They knew it. They knew all of it. But I thought that more and more I lectured and harassed and went after them, that I was doing help for God. And, but really all I was doing is they had become, they had like these barriers over their ears. 
they could no longer hear my voice. They could no longer receive it because I was trying to, in my own strength, make them what I thought they should be. Why? Because I didn't want them to have the path that I had had. I wanted them to have a better path. My intentions were good, but my flesh was not good, and it hurt them. And there were things they had to overcome and that God was never saying to them, but that I did. And so I, I, I yielded to the Lord. I remember actually getting on my knees and surrendering to Jesus. It was hard. It was really hard. Because what I was saying is, oh, God, I, I, I'm not in control. I can't, I can't fix it. I can't make it better. I'm literally releasing them to you. Well, that feels like a bad parent. That feels like I don't care or I don't want to help. And the Lord assured me, I've got this, Kim. I didn't tell you not to be a guide. I told you not to harass, lecture, quote scriptures, tell them what they're doing wrong all the time. Be a guide. And any of you have gone hiking out in the woods with a guide, a guide isn't forcing you to go anywhere, is he? The guide's kind of leading because he's been down the path. He knows where the crooked places are, where the big dips are. Stay away from that. So I began to trust the Lord, pray more, talk less. And I began to see results with my children. I began to see them listening more and caring more about what I thought. And I remember one time... Um, I, I just, uh, the Lord would give me like a window. He'd be like, okay, here's your place, Kim. Here's your place. Whoop, I'm opening in the window that much. All right, slip it in very gently. Shoot. And that's all I had to I could do. And then I just have to shut up and leave it with God. And it was so hard. And then the Lord just kept showing me ways to love them and support them and, and encourage them. So my middle daughter looks at me one day and she goes, but she, she will say what she thinks. She looked at me and she said, wow, what happened to you? Something, something's different. And I was just laughing inside because it's like, you don't know, but you're in God's hands, girl. You are in God's hands. And so it, that, I'm just encouraging you today, moms. I know some of you are in different places. Some of you with young babies, you're in a very happy place, but maybe you're tired and anxious and stressed and you need help. Some of you are hitting that middle age, you know, and your kids, you're worried about their future and what they're facing. And then some of you are full on dealing with teenage stuff that you had no idea you would ever have to battle in your world and life. God has it all. He has it all. And But you want to get with the shepherd because if you try to fight in your own strength, you will lose every time. They will outpower you. They have the ability. They're smarter than you are. <laughs> and so I just want you to know that, that the Lord has that mama love available today. And, you know, he ends it by saying this, love never fails in verse 8, but where there are prophecies... That's those gifts. They're going to cease. Where there are tongues, they're going to be stilled. Where there is knowledge, oh, my great knowledge, look at the great teacher, preacher I am, that's going to pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. In other words, we don't have the whole picture. 
It takes the whole body of Christ. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. I love this part. Think about this, moms. Have you ever found yourself looking up and saying, my gosh, I'm acting as much a child as the child is acting? This right here, Paul admonishes us. When I was a child, and he's talking to the church. Believe it or not, we can be childish at church, too, as adults. But when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became, let's put woman in there. When I became a woman, I put away childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. When you see a mirror, you see a reflection of yourself. But it's not your skin. It's not you. You're seeing that reflection. It's like Christ. We can't see him physically. We kind of see as in a reflection. But there's coming the day when you're going to see Christ face to face. You will stand before him and you will see your Savior. I hope you're as excited as me about that day. Because it's real and it's going to happen to each one of us. Where we stand with him will, will be a different story. It'll be about whether we took the gift that he gave to us. I reasoned like a child, but when I became a woman, I put away childish things behind me. For now we see as in a mirror. Now I know in part, but then I shall be fully known, even as I am fully known. Verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Yes, moms, we need faith. We need to teach our children about faith and about who God is and what God has for them. We need hope. The worst thing in the world is hopelessness. I'm sure I could ask Peggy again. That's where people commit suicide. That's where people lose, lose uh, an interest in living. It's because hopelessness, without hope, you have nothing. Christ promises us his hope. And when you have the hope of Christ, you have everything. There was no more discouraged person in life than I was. And I'm not going to go through my list of, of, of the crucible of the things my life, a lot of it I brought on myself, happened. But I needed, I was hopeless. I needed Jesus. I needed a Savior. I needed somebody to love me and to see me. I wanted a light for my path. I had a path, but it was all just jumbled up. I needed that path that Christ was going to lead me on. And where he has led me in the last 40 years, I had no idea that I would be going. But he took my life and he made something out of it that I couldn't make myself. He gave me courage. He gave me boldness. He gave me the ability to be a mother, a wife, and in ministry to minister. And God has that purpose for you, moms. He has a gift inside of you, many gifts. And he wants to let you know how much he loves you. And I want to invite you at this time to stand with me, if you would. You may be here today. You might be a young guy, and like, hey, how'd I, how'd I end up at this Mother's Day parade and message? 
You may be here as a young mother. You may be a dad. You may be a teenager. You may be somebody that's a senior. But the invitation remains the same. Christ has said this day that you might know him, that you might invite him into your life, that you may do what I did some 40-something years ago where I stood in a church. My heart was beating. I didn't want to raise my hand. I didn't want to say, I didn't want to be seen. I'm shy, I'm bashful. But I knew that Jesus said, if you'll confess me before people, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. And he sits enthroned and we will be with him. But it takes a decision. It takes a bold decision to say yes I am going to take the hand of Jesus that died on that cross for me, that I might have life, that he would be my shepherd, and I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. This may be the first day of the rest of your life. You may have been doing life your way. Christ is here, and he has a plan for you. Pray a prayer with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, simple prayer that I said myself. You may say to yourself, well, yeah, but I got a lot of cleaning up to do. You don't know the half of it. So did I, but he didn't tell me to clean up. He said, come to me, all ye who are thirsty, and I will clean you up. I will help you. I will lead you. I will teach you truth. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this morning and for these beautiful mothers. Lord, your heart is tender for them. You carry them close to your heart. You love them. And you have given them strength and grace for the journey ahead of their lives. But Father, there may be others here today that have never said yes to you. Pray this prayer with me if you've never said yes to him. Jesus, I thank you that you are Lord and you are God. I thank you that you came to this earth and died for me on that cross, on that bloody cross, were beaten and shamed when you had not sinned for me so that I might be free, that I might have a relationship with you because I couldn't have it unless you did this for me. So thank you that I have a relationship with you by a simple act of faith of asking you to come into my heart right now. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. I'm surrendering my life to yours. Take my hand. Be my guide. In Jesus' precious name, amen.